uh, tonight. Before we get started, I just want to say what an incredible uh, few days we've had, I guess really week, I feel like we've had as a uh, student ministry. Uh, last Wednesday night with Trunk or Treat, I, I love Trunk or Treat um, because I love to see how y'all get excited about it and how y'all come and participate. And I think that's one of the best things for me about Trunk or Treat. And then uh, Saturday, uh, many of you got to go to the corn maze with us, and that was pretty awesome. Um, if you were there, then you got to see pumpkins being shot out of a cannon towards a van. I mean, you don't get to see that every day, I mean, really and truly. And then, because they missed the van, they started dropping pumpkins out of airplanes at the van, and they still missed. Four airplanes, like five times a piece, and they still missed. Pumpkins. Yes, big pumpkins. So, yeah, one, one airplane was big. We decided next year that we're going to see if we can all get in the windows so we can drop the pumpkins out. Um, that's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, that'd, be pretty, that'd be pretty cool. And uh, also, if you weren't there, then you missed uh, some of our college students falling all over the corn the very last time we went through the maze and destroying the corn in the maze. So, uh, so much for college students being role models, right? Um, yeah, I know. I don't know who that was, Jordy. Um, but, you know, we had fun. And then uh, Sunday, I just, I just can't tell y'all how proud I am of y'all. And that really doesn't mean anything um, at all. But uh, y'all did a phenomenal job Sunday. Every single one of you who took part in the worship service, uh, whether it was greeting, yes, whether it was ushering, whether it was singing, whether it was speaking or praying, it was just, uh, yeah, Teresa's solo was phenomenal. Um, but uh, it was just, it was truly, truly a great service. And so uh, I just, I thank y'all for that. I thank y'all for allowing God to use you. Um, and tonight, uh, I want to kind of, in the few minutes we've had, kind of right-size God for us tonight. Because I, I think some of us kind of rally around one concept of God, but then there's another concept of God that, that we... I mean, I, I don't want to say we forget about, because I think we think about it. I just, I just don't think we care about. Um, I heard many of you might know of Pastor Francis Chan out in California. And um, one of his sermons recently, he started it with this quote. And it's kind of stuck with me. He said, you know, many of us as Christians get very excited about Jesus as our Savior. We get very excited about Jesus as the one who came and washed us clean, who forgave us of our sins, past, present, future. We get pumped about the fact that Jesus has forgiven us and set us free. But when it comes to Jesus being our role model, we could care less. And tonight I want to kind of spend a few minutes diving into that concept. And we're going to do it in a kind of interesting way because we're going to take a passage that um, and kind of look at it from a different perspective tonight. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 10 is where we're going to be. If you don't have one there, hopefully it's one in front of you. Maybe you can grab it. You can turn there. Mark chapter 10 is where we're going to be. Because you see, I think eventually as Christians, I, I think it's awesome to stand up here and to sing about Christ being the remedy and about how he has set us free and about how he has embraced us and about how he has forgiven us. But eventually that has to take root in us and our hands and our feet and our mouth and our eyes and our mind 
need to come around that idea. And I think tonight we're going to find a guy who was kind of where we are and who sadly had a similar response that we do. Um, chapter 10, verse 17. This story is going to be familiar to you if you grew up in the church. If not, hang on. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? All right, we've got to stop right there. I promise we're going to get through it, but we've got to take verse 1 and dive into it for a second. Because you've got to get the picture of who this guy is and what he's doing, okay? Because if we miss that, if we get past that, then it's going to have no relation to us today. And here's the deal. If you find this story, this story is in the book of Matthew, this story is in the book of Luke, it's also here in the book of Mark, obviously, and what we learn about this guy through putting them together is, one, he's young. As a matter of fact, if you have one of these handy-dandy like NIV Bible things, it actually says the rich young man at the top of it, which kind of tells you because nowhere in this little section does it say that he was young, but in Matthew it tells us that he was young. And so we understand, okay, this guy is young. Got that? He's young. I think I've said that enough. I think we've ingrained that now, all right? Also, he's rich. In the book of Luke, it tells us that he is a man of power, that he is a ruler of some sort. We don't know what. We don't know, you know, maybe he's the son. Maybe he's the heir. Maybe he's Maybe he actually is already a ruler. We're not real sure. We just know that he's young, he's rich, and he has power. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Kind of like to be in his shoes, wouldn't we? Well, other than him being a man, every one of us in this room right now are in his shoes. Because every one of you in this room is wealthy beyond measure. You say, Jace, I, you know, you, you don't know me, you don't know my family, I mean, you don't understand you know, the economic downturn and all this stuff, and I don't really understand it, I just know mom and dad talk about it and fuss about it and fight about it, but, uh, you know, I, we're not wealthy. Okay, I don't know how much you watched all the election and politics stuff. We're not going to really talk about that tonight at all. But I don't know how much you watched it all. And if you do, you hear all this kind of talk about the top 1% of America and how they pay all these taxes and all this kind of stuff. How about this statistic for you? If you live on more than $2 a month... Okay, let me back up. If you live on more than $2 a month, you are in the top 1% of wealth in the world. $2 a month. $2, okay, there you go. $2 a month, you are in the top 1% of the world, okay? So I want us to get us on a framework before we get any further here of how wealthy we are. And I understand some of us have trials and some of us have pains and some of us have economic troubles in our house right now, and I get that, but we've got to come around the idea that God has blessed us tremendously, all right? The vast majority of you in this room are young, with a few exclusions. The vast majority of you are young. No names being said. 
They're pointing back there so y'all can figure out. And all of you are either male or female, hopefully. I hope we got that down pat, all right? So let's start right here with the fact that this rich, young ruler comes to Jesus. Okay, now here's what we need to get. We need to understand that we are in the same place as he. We are right there. Because you have power that many of you know you have, because you know you're kind of the head of your group of friends. You know that your friends kind of follow what you do, or you know that there's somebody following you. And here's what this guy does. A man ran up to him, that's Jesus, and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? All right, let's backtrack to several months ago when we were talking about the parable of the prodigal son, which that's what it's titled, but I titled it something else, but just for confusion's sake, parable of the prodigal son. Father does what when he sees son in the distance? Runs. Okay, we talked about that then. We talked about how running is something you do not do in that culture. You don't run. Running is a disgrace. I don't know why. I have no clue why. But when you run in that culture, it is a disgrace to you. All right, this is the same culture. Not a different culture, same culture here. Rich young ruler runs, falls down on his knees in front of Jesus, and says, good teacher. All right, let's go back. Let's take Matthew and Luke. I know we're not reading it. We don't have time tonight, but we take Matthew and Luke. We take Mark. We see what he's saying here. We see good teacher in the original language. And what we get here is this guy understands that Jesus is God. He's got that. I don't know how he understood it. I don't know if somebody told him. I don't know if he's been watching. I don't know. It doesn't tell us. But by the language he uses, he knows that Jesus is God. All right? Let's parallel that to us in here tonight. I think all of us in here, we've already kind of established the foundation of rich, young, and either man or female. All right? I think all of us in here, by very nature of you being here, probably believe in God. And by very nature of you being in a Baptist church tonight, probably believe that Jesus is the Son of God and therefore is God, and we don't really understand it because it's very confusing, but we just, hey, yeah, sure, sounds good. We got that. And so I think many of us in this room tonight are kind of left with the very same question that this guy comes to Jesus with. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And I think we ask it in different ways. I think many of us in here, I mean, maybe we've asked it, God, I don't understand. What do I have to do for you to bless me? God, I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I was doing everything like you wanted to, but what do I have to do, God? And so I think many of us in this room tonight would probably, if somebody came to you and said, you know, hey, Sydney, I just don't get it. I know you go to church. I know you got the church thing down. So I want to ask you, I mean, what what do I need to do? I mean, probably a lot of you in here, because you've been around, you kind of know the deal. You're probably like, you, you just need to have faith. You don't need to do anything, because if you've been around and you've heard me talk long enough, you've heard me say you don't need to do anything. There's nothing you can do. You just need to have faith that Jesus is the Son of God. You need to follow Him with reckless abandonment. And God, you would think, says the same thing. But He doesn't. It's kind of confusing. Verse 18. All right, we're going to do a couple verses here, hopefully. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor 
Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Verse 20, teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. He's good. Okay, how many of you have honored your father and mother with everything today? Thank you, Mary. We can all model Mary now. I mean, this guy is good. And here's what we got to understand. Uh, we did get through a few verses. So. But this is what we got to understand about this guy. He has grown up in the culture of his church. He gets it. He knows the law. He knows the right things to say. He knows what he needs to do and not do. And he's done it. And for some reason, there's still a hole inside of him. There's still a burning inside of him. There's still a question inside of him. When he sees Jesus, who he knows is God, there is something inside of him that comes welling up saying, what do I need to do? I've done everything and I just don't get it. Maybe that's you tonight. We're going to get back to that in just a minute. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. If you've got a pen or anything or whatever, I mean, like that needs to be underlined, circled, exclamation pointed, highlighted. I mean, everything. And you're going to understand why in a minute because we're going to come back to it because that's one of the most profound statements in this passage. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed, two times amazed, and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus is blowing their mind. They've been following him for a while now. He is blowing their mind. Jesus, every time this has happened, you're like, oh, if you just had faith like the size of a mustard seed, then you could move mountains. You know, Jesus, where's the faith? You are supposed to say, just have faith. You are supposed to say, I, my grace will cover you. We, what are you doing, Jesus? In verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible with God. There's some things in here we've got to dive into and then we've got to go to one more section and, and briefly tonight so that we can kind of understand this a little better. Because you see, I think this guy, this young man, finds himself exactly where many of us in this room are tonight. And even more so, I think this young man finds himself where many of your friends are tonight. Because he finds himself in a place where he's got everything he could ever want. I mean, he's got power. He's got money. He's young. I mean, he is in a great spot. He has gone to church. He's done the church thing. He knows the church answers. He's got VBS down pat. But there is still a longing inside of him. There is still a burning inside of him. There is something inside of him saying, there must be more to this. 
And when he sees Jesus, let's think about this for a second. Who is around Jesus? Every time we see Jesus in the scripture, every time we see crowds surrounding him, who are they? Anybody want to help? Okay, disciples, that, that's, yes, disciples are around him. There's another group that starts with us, ends with the inners. Sinners, thank you. Y'all are brilliant. Y'all are the smartest group of people I've ever known. Sinners flock to Jesus. The wretched flock to Jesus. The broken flock to Jesus. The lepers flock to Jesus. Why? Because they see him as the healer. They see him as their only hope. They see him as the change that they need. And so they flock to him. And here's a man who's got everything and he, he humiliates himself by running and falling on his knees in front of him and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus being God, Jesus knowing everything, knows exactly who he is. And so while we would expect for Jesus to say, I mean, dude, I mean, look, you just, I mean, you're, that's pretty awesome. I'm proud of you, man. You just humiliated yourself in front of all these folks. You know that I'm God. I mean, you good teacher. I mean, language, everything. I mean, you got that down pat. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, thank you so much. I mean, you just need to have faith that I am who I am because you already know that I am who I am. And you just need to have faith in that and you can go home and, and be okay. But you see, Jesus knew that there was a bigger problem in this man. Because he knew that there was something in between the man and himself. And so he asked him, well, you know the law. You grew up in church. The guy says, man, I've kept that. Man, I've kept, I mean, I've been at Sunday school every stinking Sunday. I come to Wednesday night. I mean, like I was there, I mean, four out of the last six nights, Wednesdays. I do everything that the church has. I mean, I know all the stories. I could tell you about Jonah. I could tell you about Noah. Not that Noah, but the biblical Noah. I could tell you about Moses. I could tell you about... I could tell it all to you. I got that. I've been there. I'm nice to people. I, well, I, I love my enemy. Yeah, oh well. Yeah, most of the time. I, I don't cuss. Too bad. I mean, I'm good. Down pat. Jesus says, okay, gotcha. Well, there's one more thing. You need to go home and sell everything you've got, and then you need to come follow me. And it says that at that point, the man put his head down and left very sad because he had great wealth. You see, many of us, we love to celebrate the power of Christ. We love to celebrate the healing of Christ. We love to celebrate the fact that Christ has come to set us free and to forgive us and to wash us clean and to make us whole and to put us in right standing with God. But when it comes to actually following Christ, we could care less. We don't care about that. We want this Jesus right here. We want the Jesus who's going to save us, set us free, give us eternal life, and bless us. 
But when it comes to following Him and giving up of ourselves, well, I don't quite fit into the American dream and I got rights. And that ain't one of them. Let's back up just a little bit to uh, the same chapter. We started in verse 17, but there's a little thing that happens uh, right before this, and it starts in verse 13, and it goes like this. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Man, I love that. Jesus had attitude. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little children will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. There's something you've got to understand. A lot of history tonight, i got that. But we've got to understand what's going on here in the context. Children were possession. Children were possession. You had children to help you work. I mean, you think you got it rough. Will you go unload the dishwasher? It's full. I mean, I mean, like back, I mean, I don't even, I can't even describe what all you had to do back then. You had more land, you had more children. I mean, that's just how it worked. You were the possession of your mother and father, you were a nobody. Sorry, got some alls up here. I know, it doesn't make sense today, does it? I mean, we got rights today, right? I mean, back then you were nothing. And so these children come to Jesus and the disciples who are part of that culture, grew up in that culture, understand that culture, are like, uh, hello, nobodies, this is Jesus, King of Kings, get away. Rebuke, rebuke, no. Yeah, I don't know how they said it, but that's what, I, you know, I doubt they said it that way. Get the kids away. Shoo them away. Jesus is important. And Jesus becomes indignant and says, you don't get it. I mean, how many times, disciples, have you seen me eat with the sinners? How many times have you seen me touch the leper and heal the blind? How many times have you watched me enter to the nobody's house and complete them? Let the children Come. See, there was a problem with the rich young ruler. He wasn't a nobody. And he knew it. He had all the answers. I mean, he knew it all. He had done it all. He had experienced it all. And he had been blessed beyond measure. He even came and humiliated himself thinking it would help. And Jesus looked him in the eye and said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Because you see, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. 
until you make yourself a nobody, you don't get it. And it's at that that the disciples were amazed. I mean, Jace, really? I mean, Jace, come on. I mean, we went to go camp. We did the mission stuff. We were part of you Sunday. I mean, I am in Sunday school. I listen to you talk every week. I mean, I'm here. They're not. I'm all for celebrating the power of Christ. We don't celebrate it enough. We don't understand enough, as Christopher preached Sunday, the love that God has for us. Because if we did, we would get this. And this is where we've got to go back and where I'm going to wrap it up here very shortly. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of everything going on, this is, you, I told you, underline it, highlight it. If you don't have a pen, you've got to go home and do it because this flat out floored me when I realized this. And I really just realized this kind of in the last few days. The rich young ruler's talking. The rich young ruler says, I've done all of this. I got that. Teacher, he declared, verse 20, all this I have kept since I was a boy. And in verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He was still rich young ruler. He was not nobody. Jesus had not even told him yet what was standing between them. See, that's right after that. Verse 20, he says, Jesus looked at him. I mean, 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack. I mean, Jesus looked at him and loved him is before the one thing you lack. It's before, verse 22, at this the man's face fell and went away sad because he had great wealth. Say it again. Jesus looked at him and loved him. It's before. Because there ain't nothing you can do to earn his love. There's not one thing. I mean, there is absolutely nothing you can do to earn his love. But because before you get it, before you understand it, before it makes sense, before you make yourself a nobody, He's loving you. Chase, I don't get that. That doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I have to earn people's love. I have to earn it. I have to do something. And if I don't do something, then I fall out of love and I have to earn it again. That's not Jesus. Because before you were ever even created, he went to the cross. Because he loved you. And wanted to save you. And wanted to heal you. And wanted to fix you. And wanted you to know his love. And wanted you to understand his love. And wanted you to become a nobody. Like he did. Sorry.
This is spontaneous. I have to find it. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. I love America. I love the country we live in. I don't care who our president is. I don't care who's in our Senate. I don't care who's in our house. I don't care. I love this place. But it's a unique situation in all of humanity. Because every single one of us in this room finds ourselves in the place of this young man. Because God has blessed us. We have PlayStation 3s. We have PSPs. We have Nintendo Wii's. These all rhyme. Did they plan this on purpose? I mean, we, I mean, we have iPods. We have cars. I mean, good gracious, we have cars. I mean, that should blow your mind. Other countries, I mean, you're lucky if like a village has a car. I mean, or a horse. Thank you. I mean, we have cars. We have roofs. We have food. We have clothes. We are blessed. And we have rights. Because of our blessing. That so often gets in our way. When we come to Christ. I live in a house. I'm not knocking a house. We have two cars. I'm not knocking cars. We have a savings account, two savings accounts, three savings accounts, actually. One has nothing in it, so I don't know if you count that one or not. I don't know why they haven't closed it yet. I'm not knocking savings accounts. But it's not mine. My name might be on it. I get that. Anne's name might be on, but it ain't mine. Because I'm nothing. Noah and the band's going to come and they're going to lead us in a closing song. And I just wonder I wonder if you have found your place in that same place of that rich young ruler. I wonder if you've found your place. I mean, you've been in church. You get the church deal. You understand it, but you're still trying to figure out, is there something more? And I wonder if when you examine that, Because I think you know the answer. I think you know that there is something more. And I think you know exactly what it is because you've been in church. You know that Jesus is God. You know how he lived. You get that. You've learned that. You could even tell it to somebody. There's just something in the way. The stuff's too important. The popularity's too important. The power's too important. The status is too important. Because by golly, I'm not a nobody. I'm something. 
You know the mystery of it all? And that's what we're going to sing, just a second, mystery, great song. But you know the mystery of it all? And this is, if we just understood this, I mean, it would revolutionize our life. The last shall be first. Because when you become a nobody for the sake of the gospel, man, eternity is hollering. Eternity is screaming out hallelujah. Maybe some of us could understand that tonight. We're going to stand and sing. I'm going to be down front. Maybe you just want to come down and pray. Maybe you want to pray with me. Whatever it is, now's your time.